All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Sam Fiorito, and I live in LaGrande and go to this church. So uh, I have two boys, my beautiful wife, Devin. She was playing piano. And I have two boys, Oren and Calvary, and they are eight and two. And they got some of my dumbness and all of her beauty, so they're, they're doing pretty good. Oren, he was, I'll, I'll give you an example of what I mean. Uh, we were leaving school, and like, there's black ice everywhere, and he's just like full on running. And I go, hey, dude, you need to slow down. There's black ice. And he goes, he kind of looks at me. He's like, whatever, man, like, you're, you're old, you know, and he just, like, takes off running, he takes, like, three steps, and just goes, boom, and falls back, and, like, I was, like, I'm not even mad, like, I get it, I get it, I know, I do the same stuff, in, in kind of thinking about my introduction, and thinking about family, and friends, and, and everything, this verse came up, Jesus says, who is my mother, and who are my brothers, And stretching out his hand toward his disciples and all his other followers, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, by believing in me and following me, is my brother and my sister and my mother. And, like, just being a part of a church that's like this one, it's like I can look out and I can honestly say that. You guys are my family, and it's hard when somebody's like, Hey, introduce yourself. Tell us about your life. And you want to also introduce, like, Kirk, who's the door greeter at your church, and uh, along with your wife and kids, just because it's like, that's how you feel about them, you know? It's like, you feel feel like a family. And I think one of the, this is the part of my sermon, but one of the great lies is that, like, your family's supposed to do it on their own, you know? Like, you're supposed to be independent, and you're supposed to have it all figured out, and you're not. Like, God gave you an, an option to have a church. And there's so many people who have lived so many different life experiences and, and who want to be a part of your family. I would encourage you, like, if you don't have a church that you go to, it doesn't have to be this one. Like, find a place that's your home and be planted there and grow there and raise your family there, and you're going to end up in a lot better spot. So today I'm going to define honor for you. In the New Testament, We just use the word honor, but there's all different kinds of honor. But the one I'm going to talk about is the one that means to fix a value to something. And here's a verse that kind of explains it. If anyone serves me, he must continue to faithfully follow me without hesitation, holding steadfastly to me, conforming to my example in living and, if need be, in suffering and even dying because of faith in me. And wherever I am in heaven's glory, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, says Jesus, the Father will honor him. And that word honor right there means the Father will fix a value in his heart. You're not serving Jesus, no honor, right? There's there's like this, there in the Father's heart, I think he he loves you and he wants you to come to, to the knowledge of of Jesus Christ, and he wants you to follow, but if you don't want that, then he's going to let you not have that. But if you want it and you do it, he's going to fix that spot in his heart, and he's going to honor you, right? He's going to put you in that place of, there's my kid. So honor here means to fix a value in your heart. 
I grew up here, but we would travel a lot of times to the Oregon coast, and my family um, and I, we would, we would always swim in the ocean. We were like little polar bears. We would like always swim in the ocean, and it was always fun, and we never had a bad experience, and we would, uh, you know, body surf and just be out there the whole day, and then have pneumonia later. So we'd be out there, and so I was very familiar with the ocean, and being so familiar made me honor it less. And so when it was really fun to be out there, when Devin and I got married, we went on a Fiorito family vacation to the coast, and my siblings and I were there, and we were like, hey, Devin, do you want to go swim in the ocean? And she, same thing, she's very familiar with the ocean, but she had a different honor and respect for it than I did. She believed the stories where everybody dies in the ocean. She was like, hey, did you know last week a guy and his son like, got swept away? Nobody found him. It was like, yeah, but they were somewhere else. It's a different beach. This one's fine. I've been here my whole life. So we convince her, and she comes out with us, and we're having a blast. We're swimming in the waves, and then we like, and then she starts getting pretty comfortable, and she's like, man, I don't know why I've never done this before. <laughs> it's like, this is like the best day of my life. Well, then we see bigger waves out there, and they're like, it's like you can never get to the big wave because they're always just too far out, and they're just right out of your reach. And then you think you're there, and they're like, oh, no, they're there. And so you're like swimming and stuff. Well, thankfully, I have a brother who is smarter than I am, and he, like, headed back earlier before we did. My sister was out there, but she had a bodyboard, and Dev and I were out there, and we didn't have anything. Then I hear my brother say, hey, you've gone too far. You need to come back. And I turn around and look, and we're pretty far out there, right? And we just don't realize that we're slowly being sucked out. So then we turn around, and we start trying to head back, and we can't make it back. And my brother's even yelling, like, turn, like, try harder. And I'm like, I'm trying. Like, I'm, I'm out here, you know. And everything was pulling us so powerfully that we'd take one step forward and we'd, like, get three steps back. Well, then Devin, she, like, I'm, like, grabbing onto her and I'm like, hey, new husband, this is my moment. I'm going to save you. Don't worry. I got it. And she, she grabs onto me and she says, hey, I can't touch anymore. And then I'm like, don't worry about it. I got you. So I grab her and I'm like, hey, just hold on to me. We'll get out of here. I've, I've done this a million times. So I'm, I'm walking out, you know, and like trying to get out and it's really hard. And then like this bigger wave comes and then I can't touch anymore. And it's like, we are, we are swiftly going out and she starts praying. I kind of get a foothold. And then like, I honestly can't even tell you what happened, but all of a sudden we were like at ankle deep. And I think what happened was, one, God saved us, and two, we found, like, we went far enough to the right that we, like, hit a sandbar, right? And that was the only thing that kept us from just going the rest of the way out. So, we are here, and it's okay, and we're, we're fine. But it, it made me fix my heart a little bit. It was like I had a new honor for the ocean. I was like, man, those stories are true. Like, people can die out here. And all of a sudden, my heart, like, flipped a switch. And from then on, I'm like, I go to the ocean. I'm like, yeah, I'll get in the waves, but I ain't going very far out there. You know, because it's just like you can so easily get caught off guard and be taken away. And, and many people have tragically lost their lives in the ocean. This last year, God's been showing me that I need to do the same thing with him.
I'm viewing God like I did the ocean. I'm just too familiar with him that he doesn't hold that spot of, of honor in my heart anymore like he used to. He's showing me that I'm not that desperate for him. Like I'm singing the songs, I'm desperate for you, but my life doesn't look like it. Like when I was first saved, I would drive out into the pitch black darkness and be like, Lord, I have to see you tonight. Like you show me something. I want to be close to you. I don't do that anymore. And he's just saying, man, you've, you've lost it. You view me like you used to view the ocean. And that's pretty scary because I don't, I don't want God to say, hey, I got to get your attention now. Like the ocean got my attention. And so this past year, I was kind of adopted by this awesome old Catholic guy. And he, uh, he figured out that I, that I have a tumor on my pituitary gland. And it's not cancerous, thank the Lord. And there's medication that just kind of treats it. But I had told him that that's going on. And so then he started texting me. And he texted me in the morning. And he's like, hey, I'm praying for you praying that, that the Lord heals you, you know? I'm like, okay, thanks. And then he texts me at noon. Hey, I'm praying for you. Praying that the Lord heals you. You know, I really want you to get better. Okay, thanks. And then he texts me in the afternoon. Hey, I'm praying for you. And he did this like a month straight. And then I'm thinking, man, this guy prays way more than I do. He's dedicated to prayer. He's dedicated to praying for me. You know, he prays for me more than I pray for me. And it just like started, I started to see something. This guy's got something I don't have. Then he kind of got me thinking about, okay, like there's Catholics, there's Orthodox. Right? So then I was doing some research and stuff. Because I think that they have some traditions that they follow that, that kind of keep God in the limelight. That we in non-denominational churches have tried to like throw off religion because we want that personal relationship with Jesus. And I think sometimes we miss it a little bit. We miss some of the traditions that would keep us in line, like how to, like how to pray and, and do those things. And so I got some uh, old Christian common prayers and I just started going through those. And I was like, what, what is this all about? And then I realized like, these are awesome. Like, these are awesome prayers, and they keep me, you know, I used to be able to pray for 10 minutes, and then I'd fall asleep. But actually reading something and, like, praying it into my life, it was like, man, this is so good, and I didn't, I didn't even know about this. So then I was on YouTube, and I was watching a person from a non-denominational church interview an Orthodox priest. And he's just like, hey, I want to figure out what's, what's going on in this church, you know. And so they walk in, and there's uh, iconography all around the church, and it's like all about Jesus' life. And then they walk into the sanctuary, there's no chairs. And the guy's kind of like confused like me. He's like, what's the deal? Like, why are there no chairs? And the priest is like, oh, well, we don't have really room for chairs, like, because we're bowing down in worship, and we're, we're doing these other things. And he's like, oh, okay. So there's like... A meaning to behind that. And then uh, the priest says, oh, you know what? You should be here for an Easter service. And you can see he's like getting excited. And he says, uh, on Easter, we start service at midnight and we go to three o'clock in the morning. And the guy's like, well, what do you do with the kids? He's like, oh, the kids, they're fine. They just fall asleep and it's fine. Everybody's worshiping. And the guy's like, wow, you stand for three hours in the middle of the night for Easter? And the, and the guy, like, the look on his face, he was just like, it doesn't matter. I'd stand for five. I was watching that, and I was like, 
This guy loves Jesus more than I do. I'm not excited about Easter. I'm going to come to church that day, but am I really excited about it? Do I have, the guy said, oh, the adrenaline at Easter. And I was like, adrenaline and Easter don't go in the same sentence. <laughs> I was in my living room and I was just like, Lord, I don't, I don't love you as much as that guy does. You know, and it really hit me. It hit me pretty deep that some people who I, who I are used to think like, man, they need to like, my theology is better than their theology, you know, kind of thing. And they have some stuff to figure out and then learning about them and it was just like, man, I got some stuff to figure out. So honor means to fix the value of your heart. And I think we need to fix the value of our heart for God. Luckily, Jesus shows us how to do that. He was so familiar with the Father, one and the same, but he didn't let that familiarity let himself have a lack of honor. And so I'll show you this. It says, this is in Luke 4, filled with the Holy Spirit, he entered the wilderness. Jesus did. And he's going to be tempted by Satan. And the first thing Satan tempts him with is food. And he says, Jesus, if you're really the Son of God, why don't you make this stone into bread and eat it? Jesus says this, I will not, for it is written in the Scriptures, life does not come only from eating bread, but from God. Life flows from every revelation of his mouth. And I was thinking about this, and I never thought about this before, but, but Satan was asking him to take something that was never meant for food and to eat it. Recreate this thing that was never meant to enter your body and eat it. And I think we do that a lot of times. Who's read that book, Stone Soup? Anybody? It's an old book. But we, we do that. We start taking stones, and we think they're going to give us nourishment when really we need to be looking to God. That could be anything. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be having an, an awesome family, right? Like, like, if I just have the best family, then I'll be okay. You won't, though. You need the Word of God in your life. You need the Bible, and you need Him speaking to you through the Bible, right? You need that, you need that kick of adrenaline when God talks to you when you're reading. That's what He's talking about. He's saying life is not in this stone, and that was just such a good picture of saying, like, what stones are in my life that I'm, I'm trying to get nourishment from? I need, I need to get nourishment from the Lord. Then Satan tempts Jesus with riches. He says, if you, he takes him to a high spot and he looks over all the land. He says, you know what, Jesus? Just worship me. Just worship me. I'll give it all to you. It doesn't mean you have to not worship God anymore. Just worship me too. I'll, gi I'll give you everything. And Jesus says this. Jesus rebuked him and said, Satan, get behind me, for it is written in the scriptures, only one is worthy of adoration. Therefore, worship only the Lord your God and love him supremely. So even though Jesus is so familiar with his father, he says, he's the one. You're not it. You missed it. You're not God. I'm, I'm, I'm saving myself for him because his heart was fixed in the right place. He had honor for God. Then Satan says, throw yourself down and the angels will protect you, right? It's written. 
It's written that you could, you could fall off this cliff, so why don't you do it? Why don't you jump off the cliff and see if, if God actually protects you? And he said, Jesus says, it's also written in the scriptures, how dare you provoke the Lord your God? So Satan started small, right? He started with food, then he went to riches and power, and then he said, you know what? What about the character of God? Will God really save you? Does he really have your best interests out? Is he really going to take care of you? Why don't you test the character of God as well? And Jesus didn't because he already knew. He said, my God, my Father will provide for me. He gives me food. He's the only one I'll worship. I know his character is to take care of me because he will, and he has. Jesus even went as far as this. In Philippians it says, He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Existed as God, but he said, he's here, right? I'm not equal. I'm going to do the will of my father. He actually, kind of a hint here, he says, only one is worthy of adoration, Therefore, worship only the Lord your God and love him supremely. He said, me loving my father is my supreme reward. That's my prize. Equality is not my prize. Me loving him is my prize. Jesus got it right, but a lot of times we don't. I know I don't. And we're going to look at some people who also didn't. It says, "Then, then Jesus armed with the Holy Spirit. This is still in Luke 4. Jesus, armed with the Holy Spirit's power, returned to Galilee, and his fame spread throughout the region. He taught in the synagogues, and they glorified him. So Galilee is like a county, like Union County. Picture Union County. Nazareth, we're in Nazareth. That's Jesus' hometown. Okay, that's LaGrande. Capernaum would be Elgin. That's about the distance. So this is all just like basically one county. Jerusalem is out of the county a little bit over in Pendleton. Okay, But Jesus did all kinds of miracles in the county. He turned water into wine. That's like, where he did that was like LaGrand Island City. Okay? So it's like everybody knows about him. Okay? In Jerusalem, there's a lady in the temple there, and when he was a baby, she told all of Jerusalem, this is the Messiah. So there's no way people haven't heard about him. Then it says this, so he came to Nazareth, his hometown, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release and pardon and forgive the captives and, he, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favor favorable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the favor of God abound greatly. Then he rolled up the scroll, said this to all of his hometown. Having stopped in the middle of the verse, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all those in the synagogue were attentive, fixed on him. He began speaking to them again. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and in your presence. And as he continued on, they all were speaking well of him and were in awe and were wondering about the words of grace which were coming from his lips. And they were saying, isn't this Joseph's son? So they're in awe of him. And then all of a sudden, they're like, wait, I'm familiar with this guy. 
I know him. I know his mom. I know his siblings. This is just Joseph's kid. Is he really who he said he is? Right? And slowly their familiarity makes their honor start to drop. In Matthew, kind of speaking of the same thing, it says, Everyone was dazed and overwhelmed, astonished over the depth of revelation. Where did this man get such wisdom and miraculous power? Isn't his mother Mary? And the people became offended and began to turn against him. Jesus said, there's only one place a prophet isn't honored, his own hometown. And their unbelief kept him from doing many mighty miracles that day and in Nazareth. In Luke, it goes back to say, who does he think he is? Isn't he Joseph's son who grew up here in Nazareth? And that's the biggest thing is, who do you think Jesus is? There's a song that I love, and it says, some call him Jesus, I think I'll call him Savior. And Jesus asked Peter this, but you, who do you say that I am? Jesus asked. Simon Peter spoke and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. So the people in Nazareth, they started becoming familiar. They were already familiar. Then they were jealous, and then they became offended. Has anybody here been offended with God before? Yeah, right? If you walk in this life long enough, you're going to be offended with God. Because there's going to be a time when you're very familiar with him and you think you've done so much for him and then something happens. Something happens and he doesn't do something for you and then you're like, who do you think you are? I'm so familiar with you that I'll talk to you like this. There's a book that I was reading and the lady who wrote the book, she said she went to a friend's house and he, he blessed them like tremendously with clothes and food. And she said, I hope that God blesses you. And he said, no, I'm the one in debt. God's not in debt to me. I'm the one in debt to him. And if you have that mind, it's really hard to be offended with God. Once the people started getting offended, he tells them, about some of the Gentiles in the Old Testament that were set free. Then he basically says, he says this later in Luke 5, he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but to call those who know they are sinners and bring them to repentance. He's saying, if you don't call me Savior, I haven't come for you. I'm coming for those who call me Savior, who know who I am, who know that I'm Jesus, who know, the, who, who know that I died for them, who have that place of honor in their heart. The people in Nazareth, they were so offended, they mobbed Jesus and threw, him off of the, and threw him out of the city, dragged him to the edge of a cliff on the hill on which the city had been built, ready to hurl him off. But he walked right through the crowd, leaving them all stunned. So they're familiar, they're jealous, and they're offended. And then they say, I'm done with you. I don't know, I can't explain all of what you are, but you're out of here, and I'm done with you. We're going to throw you off a cliff. In Luke, it goes on, it says, Then he went to Capernaum. So this is from the Grand Elgin. He went down the road. It says this, He came down from the hills of Nazareth to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, on the shore of the sea, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were surprised, almost overwhelmed, at his teaching, because his message was given with authority and power and great ability. So it says the same thing, the people in Nazareth, they were astonished. 
But then they say, ah, isn't this just a carpenter's kid? There was a man in the synagogue who was possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud and terrible voice, Let us alone, or what business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The people in Nazareth thought the same things about Jesus, but then it was probably one guy that just said, Wait a second, you're just a carpenter. And the demons didn't have to say anything. But in Capernaum, the demons had to speak up because everybody else was like, man, this, this guy's it. And so if we, if we let our mouths run and we're saying the things that the demons are saying, then they have no reason to speak. So we have to put God in that place of honor where we can say, Jesus, I love you. Because that's what happened in Capernaum. And then guess what Jesus did? He cast out the demons, and he healed a bunch of people there. The next heading in, in that scripture in Luke 4 is like, many were healed. In Capernaum, they were not so familiar, and Jesus could move and work. And I, don't, I, I think everybody at a time in their Christian walk is going to be in Nazareth at some time. You're going to be offended at God. You're going to be familiar with him. That's where I kind of was this last year. And God's like bringing me through that, saying, hey, there's something that needs to switch in your heart. You're not desperate enough. You sing this song that you crown me and you're on your face, but you're not on your face. You're not desperate enough. And that's, and that's what hit me when I saw that priest who said, I have adrenaline for Easter. And I said, you love Jesus more than I do. And that, that hurts. When you're familiar and expectations really high and then God doesn't do something that you want him to do, that's when the offense comes. And that's when you want to say, I should just cast you off a cliff. And Jesus says, no, come to me for comfort. I'm your king. I'm the good guy. I'm the one who wants to help you and protect you. Come to me for comfort, but you're going to have to give it all. Devin's going to come up, and she's going to play a little song, and we're just going to do a heart check. And so I'm going I'm to read these things to you, and if you're like, hey, that's me, then I'm going to ask you to stand up. So here's, here's the heart check. Are you in Nazareth right now, or are you in Capernaum? The first one, you want to return to honoring the Lord. You see that you're too familiar with him. You want to crown him king in your life. You want to have that fixed value in your heart. Like, God, I put you above these rocks. These rocks that I'm trying to feed myself with, I put you in that, in that spot. Speak to me. Give me adrenaline when I read your word. Lord, I would stand for five hours on Easter night. I would stand for ten hours because I'm the debtor. Maybe this one. Maybe you're turning stones into bread. You're taking something that was never meant for your body, never meant for your spirit, and you're putting it inside of you and expecting good things. But you want to commit yourself to feeding on God's word. Or maybe you're offended. Maybe you're at that point where you're like, hey, God, you and me, you're not doing anything for me. 
but you want to switch that and you want to say, God, I know you're my comforter. You're my friend. And I put you in that place of honor. God, I want to let those things go. I know that you can make things new. If, if that's you and you're in that place and you just want your friends and family to pray for you, just say, hey, I got stones. That's all you got to say. I got stones in my life and I just, I need prayer. Or, hey, I haven't been honoring God the way I should. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to stand up. Are you a number one? Are you, you want to return to honoring God? This could be return to him. This could be, this could be the first time, right? This could be you saying, you know what? I've never honored you before. So I'm going to today. I want to I flip the switch. I want to fix the value in my heart. I want to crown you king again in my life. Or maybe you're this. You can stand up for this. You're turning stones into bread. You want to commit yourself to, hey, Lord, I need to be in your word. I need, I need your revelation. Speak to me. If that's you, if you want God to speak to you and you want, and you want that bread, then stand up. Or maybe you're offended. And God, and there's something that happened and, and you just can't quite get over it and you're, and you're just tired of being offended at God. And you're saying, hey, Lord, I'm done being offended at you. I can't explain all of this. But I know that you're good and I know that I want you. And I'm ready to let it go. Help heal me. Then stand up. And I want to encourage you with this. So I'm going to pray for you. This is what Jesus said. He said, for here is eternal truth. When that time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything, but instead you will go directly to the Father and ask him for anything you desire. And he will give it to you because of your relationship with me, because Jesus is in that spot of honor. And everything I've taught you is so that peace, which is in me, will be in you. You will have peace and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in the, this unbelieving world, you will experience troubles and sorrows. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Father, we come right to you right now. Because of our relationship with Jesus. We stand right here and we say, we want to honor Jesus. And we come to you right now. Heal us, Lord. Let us have peace in you. Let us rest in you. God, turn our stones into bread. Let us eat your word. Feed us, Lord.
when I first came to the Lord, he, he said, are you ready to follow me or not? And I said, yes, Lord, I am ready to follow you. He said, good, because I have way better things for you than what you have right now. And I can say that Devin and I both have health issues. I can say that we've had tragedy in our life. But I can say that God's been with us through all those things. And I don't want to be offended at him. Because he's good. He made good on that promise that he has better things. Even through the troubles and the sorrow. There's some things that you might have to switch in your life. What I did, I just got on Amazon and looked up communion cups, the disposable ones, and I put them on top of my fridge. And so every time I'm in my kitchen and I look at the top of my fridge, it's like there's communion right there. And I just remember, Lord, this is your body and your blood. And now Cal, our two-year-old's coming up, and he's like pointing. And I'm like, you want to take communion? Yeah. You know, and we'll do it, and he'll like, you know, bow his head and we'll pray and we'll take it together. And it's just like, it's got to happen more than Sunday. Ask God, what, do you, what can I do? I, wanna, I, I don't want tradition. I want something that's going to put you back in that place of honor in my life. Get a common prayer book and read it and pray. Lord, I just ask you to bless this church, bless the people here, God. Help us to put you back in that spot of honor in our life. Help us fix our value for you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.